You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Go to riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. So we're going to talk about rewards. So I'm going to show a video about sports, and then we're going to talk about rewards. So are you ready for my video, Tim? Don't you just love sports? All over the world, people love sports. Sure, they may play it different ways. Shoot, some people even call this a sport. But no matter how it's played, people love it. Okay, if you're female or a more sedentary type, then perhaps not, but boom! Ha! What's not to love about that? We just love sport, but have you ever thought why? I think we love sport for the good times, the moments, the excitement, the anticipation. I think we love it for the memories. Sport takes us home, back to our roots, back to our families, back to earlier, simpler times. And I think we love it because it makes us feel like we're part of something bigger. We have a team to which we belong. We've got something bigger to aspire to. There's victory and glory for the taking. We are represented. We may not be able to take the field, but we are part of it. Whatever it is, we love it. And so we watch, we play, we celebrate the wins. We mourn the losses. We dare to dream. We imitate. We reminisce. We think about what might have been. And we pass it on to the next generation. Sport shows us that life is more than ordinary. It points to something more. Because the sad thing about sport is, well, it comes to an end. Before you know it, the season is over. The cheers go silent. And the glory fades away. Even superstar careers come to an end, and that gets me thinking. There is something more. There's something bigger and better. We can be a part of a team that is measured not in its thousands, but in its billions. We have a chance to do something that counts on a field much bigger than a sporting field. We have a chance to follow and imitate a captain that came not to be served, but to lay down his life as a ransom for many. A captain who won the victory for us. And what we do for him goes on beyond record books and memories and on into eternity. The things we do in his name may never be applauded by the masses. We may never achieve the fame of our sporting heroes, but in the end, it isn't about our fame, but his. And we receive from him a gift that will never perish, spoil, or fade. All right, so do you ever think about rewards? I'm sure you do. How many of you have ever like, taken a high school class or college class and looked at the syllabus and said, all right, what do I need to do to get an A in here? What, how many points is the book report worth? And how many points is the paper worth? And how many points is the reading worth? Oh, look, the reading's not worth much, so if I don't even do the reading, but I just do the report, I can still get an A. And you strategize in that way. Or how many of you have been on a sports team? And obviously you know what the goal is, but you practice, you Maybe get outside coaching, you get extra help, or you take protein to get stronger, or you go out running before the sun is up so that you can be bigger, faster, and stronger so that you can be rewarded, uh, being on the team, and maybe being first string. Uh, Wes King, this uh, Christian musician, wrote this song called, I Know What It's Like to Be Second String, and sit on the bench all day and watch your friends play. I experienced a little bit of that myself, but 
um, to know what the goal is and how you get the rewards is huge. How many of you look at your work and say, okay, what do I need to do to get advancement? What do I need to do to get a raise around here? If you are the manager or owner of the company, it's always good to motivate your employees by telling them, by letting them know what they need to do to get the advancement, to get the raise, to be able to be more successful, to make more money. And so we are all motivated by rewards. And in the time that I have, I want to remind you that in Jesus Christ, if you are saved in Christ, that you are receiving rewards now and there are future rewards. Wouldn't it be terrible for you to get to the point where you stand before Jesus to give account of your life and um, in Christ, uh, you will all, we all will stand before Christ to give an account of our life. But to stand before Christ and to give an account of the things that we did, good and bad, and not know that there were certain rewards available, opportunities available. Rewards are a motivator. Uh, of course, just being in heaven in eternity is a reward. But just think of what you could be doing to gain future rewards that will last for all eternity. So I just wanted to talk about those rewards. Some of those rewards motivate you to get stuff done. So I show up here, no matter how many people come uh, at this time, because God has called me here. I believe God has called me here until He calls me somewhere else, but uh, to honor God. So if there's two people or 20 people or 200 people, it should all be an act of worship in the things that we do and the way that we do it, because we are trying to please the Lord, and He rewards us for that. But we are going to be with Jesus. Jesus said when He was leaving, He told His disciples that I'm going to prepare a place for you in My Father's house or many rooms, were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Now, it's interesting that in the Bible versions of old, all the different Bible versions we have, basically are trying to take Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic and make it in a language that we can understand today. And in the King James Version, it says, in my father's house are many mansions. And everybody's like, oh, I want my own mansion. Mansion, mansion, mansion. But if you really think about it, would you rather have your own mansion on a hill way out there while Jesus is having a good time over here? Or would you rather have a room and the place where it's all happening, but being close, dwelling close to Jesus or on a mansion by yourself up over the hilltop. I want to be with Jesus. It seems a lot more exciting than a lonely in my mansion. So in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go back and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So that is a huge reward, right? Everybody gets that if we've re received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. If we have repented of our sin, we acknowledge that we are sinners and we are without the Lord and we want to be saved. A great way to do that is to pray, talk to God, uh, tell Him, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Come into my life and save me. Make me the person You created me to be. I want to follow You. And the Bible says that we need to confess with our mouth Jesus Christ is Lord and we'll be saved. So we do this and then we're adopted as children of God. We are in the family. We are eligible for rewards. Without that, there are no rewards you are eligible for. You will be at a different judgment. I'll talk about that next week. A different judgment where there won't be enough good deeds to get you off the hook and you will be eternally separated from God. It will be a terrible time. So, all right. A, be ready to be rewarded. Be ready to be rewarded. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. We should think about that as we think about our neighbors as our friend, and our friends and the people that we talk to in the community, the people that are at our work, 
that with Jesus they're in, with Jesus they're out. With a, I'm sorry, with Jesus they're in, without Jesus they are out. They're separated. They're not part of God's family. Their eternity is not looking very bright, looking very hot. The Bible talks about being separated from God in eternity in hell. What a terrible thing. Jesus said that over and over and over again. But we need to see what's coming so that we can be ready. We need to see what rewards are out there so we can be ready because I assume you're in Christ, so therefore you are eligible for what's coming up for these rewards. Second Corinthians 5.10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. This is addressed to Christians. This is for us. We're going to stand at the judgment seat of the Bema seat, which uh, Bema was basically, they had the Olympics and the judges would be up there judging and uh, like we are going to be judged, Jesus is going to evaluate what we did and there's going to be rewards for that. Romans 14.10, why then do you judge your brother or why do you look down on your brother? We will all stand before God's judgment seat, Romans 14.10. Number, number two, uh, seek to help those around you prepare to stand before Jesus with confidence and assurance. We're all going to die. Some people are terrified of dying. Some people are a little too excited about dying. There needs to be a balance there. I think one of the greatest reasons to live is because there are still things for you to do to serve the Lord. There are still things that God can do in your life. You can honor and pray and work and praise and do all these things uh, for the Lord at this time. Even if you messed up, there's still forgiveness. You can still move forward. There's somebody to talk to about Jesus, somebody to help build in their faith somebody to pray for, somebody to encourage, some ministry to fund. There's so many things that you can do while you're still alive. So never think that you should check out early or just give up because you reached a certain age or maybe you made a mistake or maybe things in the past didn't work out. But think about your life as somebody that can help others. Seek to help those around you. Prepare to stand before Jesus with confidence and assurance. Why am I confident? Because I know I'm saved. I believe His Word. I believe what He says. And I believe that He is going to be happy and delighted to see me. Wouldn't it be great to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. But I know that I'm saved, so when I die in this life, I'm going to be with Jesus. That's what the Word says. I'm confident and assured of that. What a great way to go. Me, in my life, when I had those near-death experiences, I always think to myself, so is this it? Is this how it's going to end? Is this what the Script says? Is this what God has for me? And I'm pretty sure when I'm on the other side, I'm going to be up there going, okay, so that was it. That's how this story this chapter of my life ended and this one began? Interesting. I don't want to do anything to check out early. I want to do everything I can to follow even when it gets difficult because that's where faith is truly shown as faith. And hope we talked about depression last week. So hopefully you're not depressed and you think about checking out because Jesus would be disappointed. If you're a believer and you end your life early, it would be sad. Jesus would be like, I'm disappointed. I had more for you to do. So... 2 Timothy 4.1 In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of His appearing in His kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. So I get to stand up here and share with you and preach. You probably don't get to preach at your work or your school or whatever, but you can influence people. You can share your faith. You can correct and rebuke and encourage and do all these things with the people that are around you. I'm never going to I'm probably never going to talk to your coworker or your neighbor. I'm never going to have that relationship. I'm never going to have that trusted opening to pour into someone's life that you have. So invest your life in that way. Number 3, stay shameless and blameless. 
So, 1 John 2.28, Now, dear children, continue in Him, so that when He appears, we may be confident and unashamed before Him at His coming. So again, um, live each day as the best you can in a way that's sinless. And if you sin, ask forgiveness of that sin, confess that sin, uh, make it your desire to repent, turn, direction, uh, follow after Jesus, do the right thing, if you keep falling into the same sin again, maybe you need help, maybe you need counseling, maybe you need someone to help you, maybe some memory verses will help, maybe, uh, yeah, people can, pastors can often help if you keep falling into the same sin over and over again, an addiction, a besetting sin. But to be confident and ashamed, un, be confident and unashamed before Him at His coming. If Jesus showed up right now, wouldn't you, be, wouldn't you feel great? You'd be like, Jesus, when you showed up, I was in church. We were just talking about you. It was awesome. Jesus, when you, when you showed up, I skipped church because there was a football game on and there was a pregame and I really wanted to see it. And it was a nice day to sleep in and I got in the habit of sleeping in and I didn't mean to, but or worse, I don't even talk about worse. Just stay shameless and blameless and live before Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.7 Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, the Holy Spirit's working in your life. Jesus has a plan to preserve you and to keep you on track. So, Satan wants to pull you away. He wants to get you off track. He wants to do everything he can to get you to trip and fall. And it works like this. The accuser, Satan the accuser, comes along and says, you should do this. Everybody's doing it. It's fun. It's exciting. Yeah, the Bible, that old Bible says you shouldn't do that. Nobody, that's so old. Who does that anymore? No, no, you should do this. This is a good time. Open relationships. Do whatever you want. Nobody will know. Good times. Just have fun. So you give in. Okay, I will. So you do the deed or you do whatever's wrong, the sin, and you give in to it. And then Satan comes along as the accuser. says, look at you. Look at you messed up. No one in church is ever going to want to talk to you. Now you're going to find out. And God can't use you now because you messed up. You are, you're, you're flawed. You can't do anything now. You're disqualified. Too bad for you. And that's how it works. Is accusation turns in, or temptation turns into accusation, comes into defeat. But Jesus Christ is keeping us on track. And we can ask forgiveness of that stuff and keep moving forward. There might be something that we need to do to make things right. There might be something that we need to do to, um, like, we might be disqualified. I mean, if I fall into certain sin, I'm going to be disqualified from being able to be a pastor. Maybe for a while, maybe forever. Or not forever, for, for this lifetime. So, um, anyway, just know that that's how Satan's trying to destroy you. Uh, sometimes he does it with the inner talk inside of your head where he wants to shut you down and tell you you're worthless, that you... There's no sense in you trying to share your faith because nobody wants to listen to you. Stuff like that. But stay shameless and blameless. Number four, seek to work on things that matter. Do things that matter for Christ. So 1 Corinthians 3.11-15 No one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone, any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day, his judgment day, will bring it to light and it will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. 
So you can think about those things in your life that you're investing in that have no eternal value. That the Lord will look at that and say, you know, that's really great that you built that empire, or you built that business, or you did this, or did that, or that was a beautiful house, or, oh, you made your own electric car. Absolutely amazing. Uh, sorry, that has no value in this judgment. That is hay, straw, that's stubble, <laughs> burned up, got nothing. But you still get to go to heaven uh, as one escaping through the flames. But you don't get reward for that kind of stuff. Oh, you gave a bunch of your money to build a church? Oh, that's awesome. Oh, wait, you did it so that people would like think you're awesome and tell everybody. You had the building, like a wing of it, named after yourself? Oh, well, that's like stubble. Poof, nothing. You don't get any reward. Oh, you sacrificed your finances. You could have done this, but you chose to do this so that people would be saved and grow in their faith. You um, changed uh, your priorities or did these things so that people would uh, grow in their faith or that children or would be cared for or that uh, people would be rescued from sin or harm. Or You did all these things. That's pretty awesome. That's reward-worthy. Uh, the things that build the kingdom, the things that are built on what Jesus Christ wants us to do in our life, the winning lost people to Christ, discipling them, um, all those things matter, make a difference. Now, you might not be able to see as much success as the next person, but if Jesus knows your heart motivation and Jesus knows what you're trying to build and trying to do to work, uh, and that is reward-worthy, uh, you could just study and meditate on that passage. And when I say meditate, I don't mean like empty your mind, sit in the lotus position or whatever. I mean, think about like in Joshua 1 where it talks about meditating on God's Word. Think about God's Word. Run it through your head. What did God mean when He said that? What did it mean to those people? What does it mean to me? How can I apply it to my life? What would it look like if I, if I did this? What would it look like if I did that? Uh, meditate like that. Seek to work on things that matter. Number five, spend, eter spend with eternity in mind. Spend with eternity in mind. So you get a check, usually. Most of you get some form of income, some form of money It comes in, and you get to choose what you're going to do with it. How you're going to spend it, what you're going to buy. Um, I like to do things myself all the time, and when I have to pay somebody to do something, part of me is like, well, cool, I finally reached an age where I can pay somebody to do something. And then the other hand, I'm like, no, I could do that myself. I should have done that myself. That's how I would have done it. My tree was falling apart in my front yard, and so my wife and I were talking about it, and we needed it done, and so I called the tree removal guy, and I'm like, you know, I've got two people offering chainsaws. I know how to cut down trees. Don't really know what to do with the tree after it's down. Got some ideas, but the tree was like splitting in half, and so anyway, so I uh, looked at what the rental equipment for the stump grinder was, looked at, uh, you know, how much, how much time it would take me and everything. So I hired the stump guy. Had a great conversation with him. Awesome guy. Highly recommend him. Um, I think we talked for longer than he cut the tree down. But he had this big shredder. So he just cut the tree down and threw it in the shredder. And it was really cool and really fast. And so the other part of me is like, well, that's what I would have done too. I, would have, I could have done that. So, but what if God wanted me to have the conversation? What if God knows that I just wasted some money, maybe? But that money's going to return to me in some other way because God's going to say, you know what? Yeah, you spent the money, but you met the guy. You met the family. And that was a seed that we just planted there. That's what I wanted you to do. So don't worry. We'll get the money back to you in another way. I'm going to provide for you. It's okay. Store for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Anybody familiar with rust? 
I have a rusty truck. Every fall, I paint that thing. There's so much paint on it right now that I'm pretty sure it will never fall apart because it's just paint. So people are going to be like, what is that thing made out of plastic? I'd be like, no, it's just paint. It's just paint holding together paint. So, uh, but we spend with eternity in mind. We know that our things don't last. We know that uh, the things that we value are probably not going to be there uh, for our entire lives. But what we put in our eternal account, what we, when we give back to God, uh, that's putting treasure in heaven. Now you think to yourself, wait, you know, if I'm with Jesus in heaven, don't I have everything I need anyway? Well, it appears there's going to be uh, people with different stuff. So some people are going to have more stuff than you. Everybody's going to be happy to be there, but those who are more faithful may have more for the rest of eternity because of what they did in this life. First Timothy 6.19, in the same way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Think about that for a second. The fact that you spent a little here, you sacrificed a little here, and now it's lasting for all eternity. It's like, hey, I made that heavenly investment, and I get to enjoy this extra stuff for the rest of eternity because God honors that. Number six, silence your accusers with life choices. So, First Peter 2.11. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners, Another Bible translation says aliens. New people come into the Bible that see that say, see, I knew there was life from other planets. It's like, no. It's temporary residents and foreigners, like people from different countries, aliens. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when He judges the world. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. Isn't it great when you're accused of stuff that can't stick because other people are like, he would never do that. She would never do that. No way. I know that person. That person's tight with God. That person walks with the Lord. That person has a degree of morality that's like not even normal. And so that person, yes, lives the Bible and might be kind of weird, but I'd really like to have that person working for me in my company. I'd like to have that person because they're honest and I know they're not going to steal from me. They work hard because they're work, they say they're working as unto the Lord. So make right life choices. Live a life that honors God in such a way that uh, when people try to accuse you, it won't stick. And God's on your side too because I always like it when I'm accused of things that I know I didn't do. It is so awesome when somebody says, did you do this? And I know for a fact I didn't. So I remember being a little kid and being accused of things that I did do. And I wasn't very good at lying back then. I'm not saying I'm good at lying now either. But I'm just saying that back then, I would spin myself a tail so deep I couldn't find my way out of it. So I'd be like a little kid and I'd be like adding one lie to another and then pretty soon I can get my story straight. So not encouraging you to be a good liar. What I'm encouraging you to do is live such a way, live in such a way that whatever you're accused of doesn't stick because you didn't do it. You choose to do, you choose, and you're choosing to do what's right. Number seven, stay committed and don't quit. Stay committed and don't quit. You know, it's easy when you start out on a physical fitness or diet plan, you're all excited, you're seeing immediate results, you know. 
you're at the gym and you're, you're working out and you're like, oh, I feel so much stronger. Do I look better? And then as time goes on, you're like, I don't feel any different. I just feel tired. I feel sore. I don't know if this is working anymore. And, or you're on the diet plan and you're eating less and it's like, yeah, I lost some weight. That's really awesome. But you continue on and you're like, I'm still eating like this and I'm not losing weight. I'm not having fun. I think I'll give up. So uh, we do that in the Christian life sometimes. We, I was living for Jesus. It was fun and exciting. But now it's, some days it's not that exciting. I have to admit that some mornings I wake up in the morning and I don't even feel like a Christian. I just wake up in the morning and I'm like, eh. It's like, okay, I'm going to read my Bible now. Yep. Other days, I'm like, oh, I'm so on fire for Jesus. Who can I tell? What can I do? I'm motivated. You need to have a mindset to stay committed and don't quit. Some people will say, where's this Jesus? Why is he taking so long? Yeah, he's going to return. He's going to come back for 2,000 years. It's like, where is he? He's not coming. It's like, yes, the Bible says he is. Second Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So the longer we wait, I've said this before, I'll say it again, the longer we wait, the more opportunities there are for people to come to Jesus, to spend eternity with these people. If Jesus doesn't return anytime soon, like if he waits a while, I might be able to spend eternity with my great-grandchildren. I haven't even, they're not even in existence, assuming I, assuming I get great-grandchildren, pass that on to the other grandchildren. So um, people that we don't even know are going to be born and they may spend eternity with us. Jesus is keeping the door open. He's waiting. He's, he's waiting for more people to get saved. Some wonder if there's like a certain number that he's waiting for until, until he transitions us into the next part of his plan, which we talk about next week. But stay committed. Don't quit. Don't quit sharing your faith. Don't quit living for Jesus. Don't quit your spiritual disciplines day after day as you pray and you pray for others. Don't quit. Uh, do all that you can. Keep moving forward. Um, sometimes if you think that your spiritual life is dull, you just need someone to come along and help show you how you can um, make it a little more exciting. Uh, Paul Little was a great man of God. Worked for the Navigators. He actually died. But his books are still around, like Know Why You Believe, uh, How to Share Your Faith, uh, books like that. Um, but he had said that sharing your faith is like the fizz in the Pepsi-Cola. So if your life is flat, maybe you need to start giving of yourself and sharing your faith and being used of God and life will become more exciting. When people ask you questions you don't know the answer to, it's pretty exciting. You're like, well, I don't really know the answer. You go find the answer, you come back, you're like, this person is interested and you're giving them the information and it's all, you're growing, they're growing, it's exciting. 2 Peter 3.11 You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed. It's coming. So how do we speed it's coming? By sharing our faith, by making disciples, by uh, sharing Christ around the world. So uh, 2 Peter 3.13 But in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and new earth, the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. So stay committed. So in your outline, like I said, I wasn't going to be able to get through it all, but I gave you all the verses so that you could um, look 
and see. But um, just real quick, uh, being in Christ, all believers are adopted as the sons of God, 1 John 3, 1. Becoming blameless and pure, Philippians 2.15. They're all given eternal life, John 10.28. We're all getting a glorious body in the future, Philippians 3.21. We're receiving glory, honor, and peace, Romans 2.10 and 1 Corinthians 2.9. We're promised rest and reward, Revelation 14.13. And we're knowing Jesus Christ our Lord, Philippians 3.8. So then the Bible talks about these crowns. And so doesn't give a whole lot of perfect details about the crowns, but I just want to cover those just real quick because, again, it's good to know what you could be rewarded for. It's good to know what might be available that you might be enduring or going through that is reward-worthy. So, the crown of rejoicing, 1 Thessalonians 2.19, for what is our hope, our joy, what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? So this could be the crown that comes for leading lost people to Jesus Christ. The old, our grandparents would call it the soul winner's crown for leading lost people to Christ, for evangelism. So we um, could receive, everybody's going to receive eternity, everybody's going to receive life with Christ, everybody's going to receive all this stuff, but just like an athletic banquet, some of the players get extra, extra credit, extra reward. Um, and these crowns, again, uh, back in those days were like wreaths that you would be given if you won an Olympic event. And the wreath was perishable, but these are imperishable. So the crown of rejoicing may be called the soul winner's crown. You may get that for evangelism. So the crown, the imperishable crown, the incorruptible crown, uh, NIV, um, the crown lasting forever. 1 Corinthians 9.25, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And this could be a reward for those people that sacrifice stuff. They give their life to go to the mission field. They give their life to serve. They do something in the call of God in their life so that they can fulfill God's purpose at great sacrifice. And with that, they are motivated by the incorruptible or the imperishable or the crown that lasts forever. Three, the crown of righteousness. The crown of righteousness, uh, there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, not only to me, but also those who have longed for His appearing. 2 Timothy 4.8 So these, this is a reward for people who live in an ultra-righteous way. Ones who follow the Lord in such a way that honor Him and they, they flee sin. They keep following in, in difficulty. They keep um, following uh, we receive righteousness from Christ, but this crown of righteousness will be given to those people who are excited for Jesus to appear, uh, excited for Jesus to appear, and do uh, all that they can to live in a way that honors God. Uh, every part of their life is honoring the Lord, and that is reward worthy. They are way uh, more righteous than the average Christian, and Jesus is going to reward those people who are sold out to Him with the crown of righteousness. The crown of life. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised those who love him. This is also called the martyr's crown. Those people who suffer persecution or even death, that there is a promise that they will receive an additional reward, the crown of life. So we should be faithful and know that if we are going through difficulty, 
that the Lord sees. The Lord doesn't protect us from every difficulty or hardship or persecution, but it is reward worthy for eternity. Then there's the crown of glory. 1 Peter 5.4 When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. And in this context, it's talking about teachers and elders and shepherds of the flock. So a crown for teaching and discipling and bringing up others in their faith because when new people come to faith in Christ, they might not know how to live their life. They might not be able to understand the Bible for themselves. So when you come alongside of them and help them grow, when you help them to grow in their faith, you can receive the crown of glory. So, all right. And then uh, rewarded with opportunity and resources. Again, you can see uh, some of these in your bulletin that you can look at. Interestingly enough, in the, the parable of the three servants or the talents, and then the next one, the parable of the ten servants, Matthew 25, 23. The master gives, as you know, you can look at this. The master gives each a talent, a resource to invest, and uh, some are faithful, some are not. The one that was faithful, Jesus said, you've been faithful with a few things, I will put you in charge of many things. Come share in your master's happiness. The master replied, well done, good and faithful servant, which is a goal for all of our lives. So Matthew 25, 23, you can check that out. Uh, talents or the parable of the three servants. Uh, then there is the uh, parable of the ten servants, or the ten minas, or another translation says ten pounds of silver. And here, this one is, this guy's going off to be made king. He brings ten guys together, gives them each, he gives them each a resource, a silver, a mina, and then they are able to invest that. If you look in the passage, it says that there are people, uh, subjects, that hated this guy. The king in this parable had subjects who hated him and did not want him made king. Anyway, he calls the servants back. And the ones that were faithful, the few that were faithful, he says, well done, my good servant. His master replied, because you've been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. So this guy became king. He says, you've been faithful, take charge of ten cities. Bible theologians say, you know, Jesus is telling this parable and he's going to be made king. Could it be possible that if we're faithful serving Jesus here on earth, that he may give us more opportunities in the way that we serve him for the rest of eternity, where he might put us in charge of something or make us a leader of something? Or because of the way we lived our life here, he may say, well done, good and faithful servant. And for the rest of eternity, we might have a position more favorable than, favorable than others, a position more exciting than others. Something to speculate, to think about. Are rewarded with resources. When we give, the Lord gives back to us and provides for us. Reigning with Christ forever. Again, you can see this in your outline. Revelation 22.5. Rewarded with resources. James 2.5. 1 Peter 1.3-4. Proverbs 8.18. And 2 Corinthians 9.6-11. Or where the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver and that He will give as we give, that He will give back. Uh, again, you can check in to that. In conclusion, are you living for the rewards of the promised land? Abraham sacrificed it all for the promised land he'd never seen because he believed God in His Word. We are promised over and over again in the Bible greater promises than Abraham. Are we faithfully living for our promised land? Then there's the reminder that Jesus is coming very soon. Revelation 22.7 Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. Revelation 22.12 Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. I will give to everyone according to what he has done. So, we'll talk more about that next week. So I might even take some more stuff off of this outline. I knew I wasn't going to get through it, but I wanted to give some of the resources for you to study later. 
Let's pray. Jesus, I thank You so much that You talk about future rewards. Lord, we don't understand what every reward, every reward is or exactly how what we do with it or how it works, but we know that even just to get honorable mention from You, to, to stand before You and have You speak into our lives and say, You did good. I am proud of You. Come enter into my happiness. You are faithful. We're going to do stuff together. You could have done this and you did that. And this is the difference that you made in people's lives. What a great thing. Lord, we pray that you would help us to live lives that are reward worthy. We pray that you would help us to keep serving you even when we don't feel like we're perfect or that you should send someone else like Moses said because we're not good enough. Or, Lord, I pray that um, you would help us to invest into the lives of others so that they could be living lives that are reward worthy. And together, we would spend eternity uh, enjoying the rewards and all that you have for us. So Jesus, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We invite you to visit River Rock Church 10 a.m. Sundays at 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. You can connect with us, find resources to help you grow in your faith, give online to support this ministry, and share your prayer requests with us at riverrockchurch.com. May God bless you. Share Jesus with others this week.